Welcome to the Joma Preventative Health Podcast, hosted by the Jewish Orthodox Women's Medical Association. We provide you with up-to-date information on health topics geared towards the Orthodox Jewish community. This podcast content is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended as medical advice or as a substitute for the medical advice of a physician. Hi, my name is Elisa Minkin. I'm a general pediatrician. I'm also the, the chair of the Jewish Orthodox Women's Medical Association Preventative Health Committee. And I'm really excited to be here today with Mrs. Brownie Rosen. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Mrs. Brownie Rosen is the founder of A Time and director of member services. Almost 30 years ago, Brownie and her husband found themselves struggling through infertility in a world that wouldn't even say the word. There was no one to ask about doctors or receive support from. She and Rabbi Rosen made a promise that if they would be helped, they would do everything they could to make sure that no couple ever felt alone in this journey. Baruch Hashem, they had a baby boy and a short few months later launched on an organization that has helped hundreds of thousands of couples on the family building journey. So thank you so much for being here with me today. It's really my pleasure. Um, this is my mission um, to educate and share and let people know, you know, about infertility, what could be done for infertility, what you could do as a neighbor and friend for your friend, for your, for your someone going through infertility. I just want you to know that the biggest thing, this having this on the ear anywhere is such an achievement. Mm -hmm. Like just even having this interview that is so acceptable now is something like a dream for me. Yeah, no, it's everywhere. You can look in every level of Yiddishkeit, every magazine, every paper, it's it's out there, which is talking about it is so, so important. How did, how did a time get started? So, so what does we, the time stand I, for? I know, so so at the very, very beginning, um, when, we, when we said we need to do something, it was actually three women that, mm -hmm. you know, together said, we're gonna do something. Um, and we needed to name the organization. Uh, we all three went through infertility, we all three felt alone. We wanted to do something. Our biggest thing though, at the very, very beginning was using our names for the, for the shame. Like not to, there's nothing wrong with me. I went through infertility, I was geo president, but this is something mm -hmm. I never chose for myself. Right. It was pretty shocking that, you know, I was going through infertility. Um, and I wanted them to know that I, it's not my fault. So my name was everywhere. I'm a Bobby now. I'm a grandma. And my name is still out there. I'm the face of infertility. And I don't care because it, it made me who I am today. So the three of us felt we needed to do something. We got together and named an organization. I would. I very much wanted to be. <laughs> I don't always love acronyms. I love JOMA, but I don't love acronyms. Mm -hmm. I like being direct. Right. And I wanted to be the Jewish Fertility Association. Mm -hmm. Um, they were saying you cannot be, actually at the very beginning, we were using the word infertility. We use the word fertility now much more. Infertility is much more comforting than infertility. But um, so I want to be the Jewish Infertility Association. Um, they were, Bellini and Suri Nyman, who started a time with me, were very much like, you can see the word infertility. And I was very much like, Suri Menu said it, right. Ruffley Menu said it. You know, everyone said it. Everybody knows that they went through infertility. Hannah, who cried her eyes out in the Mishkan, she went through infertility. You know, every, everybody knew that. But we decided that there's comfort in the in the Pasuk and Kohelis where there is a time to be born. Oh. 
And we decided to name our organization A Time, which is an acronym for a Torah Infertility Medium of Exchange. That's cool. Um, it's cute because at the Shasathon, when you want a Shasathon fundraiser, someone came over to me and says, you know, Brownie, I have such a great idea for you. Why don't you um, use the Pasuk from Kohelas, there is a time to be born. I said, that's where we came from. Oh, the very beginning, we did perfect. a, um, there is a time, there's a time to be born. You know, it's a comfort to know that there's a master plan. Right. Right. Um, so we started out by saying, okay, we need a Godzilla. So oil had different ideas of what we wanted the organization to do, but I very bet we wanted medical to do medical referrals because I, and I also wanted that my infertility journey should not be lost. What I learned, I taught my rabbi, I taught my wow. doctor, I taught my doctor about the mikvah. I told my rabbi about the medicine. Um, I'm, this doctor now knew that we keep the mikvah. She got it. My, my rabbi now knew a little bit about medicine. I didn't want this to be lost. I also wanted a connection with physicians. I wanted people not to wait like me three months to see a doctor and he was the wrong doctor. Hmm. Um, so I wanted people to get in. I wanted to cover, I just wanted the medical part. You know, I feel that the biggest chazak we give people is giving them guidance and helping them to the right doctor and getting them in and helping them pay for it. And that that's what getting them, that's the strongest thing we do. But um, Bulimi wanted more of social, like so, support type of network. And Suri was very also to edu education. Um, so, so the three of us um, said that before we, we made an LLC and before we start anything, we needed a Haskama from someone big. Mm -hmm. So at that point, Rav Palm was around and um, he wasn't seeing anybody. So this is how crazy driven we were. <laughs> Just to give you an idea. I mean, we were so crazy that we marched on Fifth Avenue with empty carriages, three firm ladies, like oh. saying, Two, four, six, eight, we want a mandate. My mother's Hungarian. I remember my mother yelling with us, two, four, six, eight, oh. we want a mandate. <laughs> and we changed some of the laws in the state of New York. We were crazy. We were so driven. Now, if I think, if I tell our board, can we like buy 25 empty carriages on March on Fifth Avenue? They would think we're crazy, but we did this. So mm -hmm. Rav Palm was um, sick, but someone gave us a clue that Rav Palm's a final tzaddik Lavracha, the Rosh Hashiva of Tarabadas, we felt that everyone would accept him. Chasidish, Lutvish, um, anyone, unorthodox, right. who is Gadol Hadar then. So we, 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 someone gave us a tip that he gives a share in Taravadas once a month. And they said, maybe perhaps if you go sit outside the share, he'll see you. So we, the three of us, probably we were psyched. We sat outside the share. And then I said to my husband, if we're going to go to get into Rapam, I want my Maishi, my son who was born like six months old, that when we started a time, I said, I want my Maishi to get a bracha. So here we were, three very young, very excited women sitting outside the base medrash in Torah Batas, me with my baby on my lap, really pathetic, the whole scene. And the whole Torah Batas went past us. And then suddenly we saw the Rosh Hashiva and the Gabayim. And I always remember this so vividly. And they walked right by us also. And we were relieved because we were young and dumb. And then the, one of the, one of the Gabon turned around and said, are you here to see the Rosh Hashiva? The door to the base medrash was open. Every woman stood up for Rapam. And we were like, yeah. So they he said right after the shir, Rapam himself closed the door to the base medrash. And he said, no, 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 now. And he took us into a private room. And we told him, I told him my journey. We all told him our journey. And we told him how badly we want to do something. But we needed a haskama from somebody big. Mm -hmm. We were scared. 
I know people told me, oh, you had your Maishi, but you never marry more. It's like your advocacy and being out there and whatever. Baruch is married with three beautiful little girls. Aww. But they were like, Bronnie, you can't do this. You know, the world, <laughs> we are Hasidish, you know. <laughs> um, we were all from different places, me, Blimey, and Surrey, which was wonderful. Um, so we wanted to help every Jew. We never ask anyone, how religious are you? Where are you from? We are the tour of Tilly Mino Exchange, but even when we register to our weekends, our Shabbatons, we never say, how from are you? How much shot, how long are you keeping Shabbos? We have people who kept Shabbos for the first time. They're going through a fertility and they're interested in the tour of Tilly Mino Exchange. We're there for them. And I want you to know, recently we even helped a construction person. We were doing our, our office in Lakewood and someone that was doing construction, he was saying, you know, I know you do pregnancy loss, my wife had a pregnancy loss. He's a Polish um, construction worker. And we were there for them. Chami, you Aww. met Chami. Chami was there for them. So really our mission was to help anyone in this journey in infertility. Um, so we told Rapam and Rapam said to us, do you see the desk that you're sitting at? This desk had so many tears shed because people did not know where to go. And he gave us a tremendous bracha. And I really feel, and he gave us someone to work with, a rough to work with. He told us then that, you know, I'm really sick. I'm wearing this sweater my wife knit for me for many anniversaries ago. I never wore it, I felt so bad, but I'm wearing it now because I really don't feel that well. I give this share because it keeps me alive, wow. but I want this to happen. So he gave us a rub, Rav Chaim Krauss, to work with, which was a good choice because mm -hmm. Rav Chaim was doing hashkah, supervision in the laboratory. Um, and we used to review, at the very beginning, we, wrote, we have a beautiful publication that now is a shiny, beautiful publication. But then it was like a staple thing. We would go to Rapaim with it. We would go to Rabbi Krauss. And if he had a question, he would bring it to Rapaim. So that was the beginning. Our very first, all on literature at the very beginning, had a Haskama letter. We were very proud of the Haskama letter. But if you read the Haskama letter, you would love it because you're a women organization. So I just think it's interesting looking back. It's 30 years, almost 30 years later. 30. Oh, wow. We were so young, right? We were so like, I know people come to me sometimes and they say, Ronnie, you started a time, maybe you could help us with an organization. And how look did at I that. do this? I don't even know how we did it. <laughs> and I'm like, then I thought we could do anything. Like I, I, even now at this point, if, if Trump will let me speak in the White House, I will <laughs> for infertility, anything. But I rough palm didn't see three young women. Later we heard, oh, you need a board of men. We do have a board of men. Women do have great positions in a time, but we do have a board of men. Mm -hmm. He never said that. Interesting. He saw us. He saw the he saw, need. He saw the need. That's all. He saw the need and he had the vision. Wow. And I think sometimes when we're like, you know, we have a very successful whatever I say, like we're still riding in that bracha 30 years later. It's so beautiful. Um, and once we had that behind us, we launched it. So then came the challenge of placing our very first ad. I could tell you, I, I look at walls that came down, mommish walls that came down. But my thing was like, I had a very first ad that we placed was was sent back by everybody even the jewish i don't know the jewish week jewish press everyone sent back the ad the only one that took our ad and all it was was our name and we used to write a torah fertility amino exchange so it said infertility and it was a doctor it was just a lector a medical lector right and the topic was succeeding with infertility treatment and it was sent back to us sorry we're a family magazine so i remember that i got the yeet confirmed you know, they wanted a credit card and they confirmed that they're taking the ad. I'm sorry, which so place is it? Der Yid, Yiddish paper. Oh, Der Yid, okay. Yeah, they took our ad. So wow. I called Blimi and Suri. I say, Blimi, Suri, Der Yid took our ad 30 years ago. So Blimi says, ha, because they can't read English, Brownie. So they have no idea what the word is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
believe that. Like people in publications, I know I've seen such brilliance in every type of community. You just couldn't believe it, right? I didn't believe it. So I called you and I said, thank you so much for giving that. I'd like to give my credit card, but why are you taking our ad? So they said, so I remember, I think his name was Hershkowitz. I will find out his name, Rabbi Friedman. He said, well, I don't know. We don't know. We have an approval board. I'll let's speak to the approval board. I said, I think it was Rabbi Friedman that I spoke to. He said, um, thank you so much for taking our ad. It's Brownie Rosen from the time. Um, why are you taking our ad? So he says, why not? So I said, because it says our infertility. So he says, okay, um, aren't you family magazine? I'm giving him all the mag arguments. You want to make sure he really, he, said, he really oh, meant it. Aren't you family magazine? And he said, yes, we are. And he said, so kids are going to see the ads. So he says, okay. And they're going to ask questions. So he says, okay. And then he stopped for a minute and he said something that changed the face of everything we did. And I always give him credit. He said, let me ask you, Mrs. Rosen, doesn't every Kita Aleph Yingle learn that Sarah couldn't have any children, not that she didn't have any children, that she couldn't have any children. So why can't mothers just say that? Is that amazing that he gave us that? Wow. It's, it's so hard to go back to that time, right? I know. Well, you just imagine that people would like, you know, I, there is that balance you want to keep. Mm-hmm. You don't want girls getting married and being terrified that they want to have a baby. Right. We want to keep a balance we try very hard we argue about different wording we want it to be upbeat you know you want people to approach you um but I, from that i started going back and looking at the journey of our matriarchs and our patriarchs like i started being obsessively looking at the journey so one of the things that i, I love so much and this is really good credit to my husband to say this is when Hagar gets pregnant. Hagar is the second wife of Abraham. Mm. But when Hagar gets pregnant, she says to the Torah doc, you know, obviously we know the Torah doesn't waste any words, but I love this journey so much. And I went back, back and learned them again to get to just to, to view their infertility journey and how they handled it. And it's City Hall. If I ever use that example, both to the community and to our couples, no one can argue because it's Torah. Right. So she looks at Sarah and she says, it's worth going back to the Pasuk. When my, father, my husband said at a Shabbaton, he read it from the Hamish. She says, well, she's very, very pregnant. Sarah isn't. She says, wow, I used to think that Sarah was a great woman. She was a Tzadikis. Well, I don't think so anymore. Look, I'm pregnant. She isn't. Pasuk. Wow. I remember thinking, Wow. I also looked at him. There were 200 couples there going through infertility. Like, why is he saying this? And then he said something that really was so profound. He said, yeah, well, that's how the mother of Yishmael speaks. Mm. So there we saw, she was so full of herself then. And Sarah was suffering. And look at her children. And look at her children. There we Mm. saw the master plan. But it really is what I felt. I felt like regardless of what I was, successful teacher, oh, so important, corporate woman, I felt that I didn't have a baby. Everyone who was pregnant was bigger than me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a certain feeling, but then roughly Menu says, and I, I, I just have to share this Rashi because it's so profound. And, and roughly Menu says, Havali Ban and give me children and Malo Mason, I think I'm dead. Mm-hmm. And we're not afraid to explore it. We go to it and we explore it. And we say like, yes, yeah, she had a very bad moment, but, and she verbalized it. 
one of our therapists says that there's no steer of psychology in the Torah. The Torah is fascinating. So allow yourself to verbalize it is a great tool. No one looks at Rachli Menu. Interesting that someone said recently, I just have to share this because it's so beautiful, that sometimes you, like, Leah just wanted her husband to love her, right? And Rachel just wanted to be a mommy. And Leah's buried with her husband. And Rachel is known as Mama Rachel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that two of her answered. Very interesting. But interesting that when Rachel had a baby, she named her baby Yosef. I wish we could have her as a guest speaker always. Like you'd want to do a podcast with her, wouldn't you? Like she's That'd be amazing. Amazing. I always want to invite them to our weekends. So she says it's like in the sukkah, right? Right. Rachel, so how did you do this? Oh my gosh. But she was a beloved wife, which tells you that she can be a beloved wife without children, which is interesting. Everyone knew she was beloved, right? Right, but that idea of your identity as a mother yeah. and what if you were not a mother? What happens to you I, then? Right, right. So she says a very wonderful thing that Rav Chaim Shmulevitz, who's a great commentary. So she says in her, when she named her baby Yosef, she said, Yosef is so incredible. Even this week's parasha, I'm following Wade tells his brothers, it's fascinating. I used it last night in a, in a talk that I did. He was awesome, Yosef. Mm-hmm. Um, I always wonder if his mother's years of infertility and her imbuing herself in tools and chaset that made Yosef who he was. He was considered ish masliach. I wonder if that was in his baby bottle. Benjamin didn't have that. He didn't have his mother for, for long. But Yosef's, Yosef went through ho- Holocaust in his lifetime. And he was so clear on his mission. He says, Yosef, not, oh, you horrible brothers. So, you know, he was so clear, you know, on why Hashem put him through it and who did it. It was Hashem. But interesting, when she names her baby Yosef, now I think that, like, I always think that she gave herself a memory for life of her infertility journey because she, she says, I named my brother, my, my baby Yosef, because Hashem Yosef, Eskarapasi. Hashem gathered my shame, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't it fascinating? Wow. So, you so know, this she, is, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm saying this so, is a good segue on, on things we say and don't say. And, you know, I want this talk to be for people who may be starting the journey, but also for all the people around them who may not know what to say and may right, unintentionally right. put salt in the wound, just like Hagar did, right? right? But in any case, I think that at any place that if mm-hmm. you were to take a couple of minutes before you say anything, I always think that saying is the last thing. That's why it says, mm-hmm. first of all, it has to come from the heart. Mm-hmm. The words, just some words can be very, very painful. Um, so the Torah is very specific on certain things you say. Like it tells you, you go to Shava, this is what you say. You speak about the person who departed. You go to the hospital. You don't speak about the illness. What do you speak ooh, about? Ooh. And, 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 and I don't mean to interrupt you, but when you go to Shiva, you're not even allowed to speak. Right. And see that? I very, says very something to you. Right. The and Alim mm-hmm. are so powerful. And that's when it also says um, that who gives you comfort? Uh, uh, Chaber, the Pasuk that says who gives you comfort. I always think that it has to be a Chaber somebody who's a chaver. Now, before you can utter a word, and we do a lot of groups like that, and a lot of things like, I'll give you a tiny example with today's day. I'm just gonna give you a little example. Um, you have us, right? And we, I always look, look we're now with COVID. COVID was totally unexpected, right? Suddenly we're at home 
Our couples do it all the time. They do it all the time. They were telling people how to deal with COVID, how to deal with the loneliness, how to do with the loan. And also what they do all the time is the confusion. Do we take the, the do we take the immunization? We don't take the immunization. This one says this, this one says that. Um, is it gonna work? Is it not gonna work? Will we oh, ever be normal? Right. It's a very easy way to really understand mm -hmm. a difficult journey. It's, it's so something true. we were put on. It, it's it's super difficult. Sometimes when I want to explain infertility to somebody like that doesn't get it. And then once you think for a minute, then see if it makes sense to say something like, oh, I thought by now you would have a baby. Um, different right, things. And the, right. And by the way, Javer, right, friends, right, the root is Khibur, connection. Right. Right. And so if you don't, minute, if you don't make a connection, connection, find the connection. Exactly, find the connection. Exactly. And also, they are wonderful people. I always tell the mother, shut an office from them, from who they are. It's not a journey they chose. It's, it's so clear that I should put them on this journey. Do you know that from anything we know in medicine and sturdy is on this journey and I'm driven and we're all driven. We send our medical team goes to conferences to learn things, whatever. And I want you to know from these many years, these 30 years, they, they've done so much. They manipulate eggs. They, they make embryos. They do incredible, incredible stuff. And there's no center or doctor in the universe that can tell someone they're expecting. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing because Hashem holds that key. It's like making a rain. And a person has a sick child, it's Hashem that hold, held that key. Mm -hmm. And he chose a certain person. It's up to the people around them. If you feel with them, feel with them. Take a few minutes and think of someone with a sick child. Take a few minutes and think of somebody who has no children in their house for 10 years. Think of your life without children, just, just for two minutes. Think of your life without children and then say what you're going to say. If you're the older sister, call us, ask us. Think what you would like. Would you like your older sister? Um, would you like your younger sister who's expecting not to tell you she's expecting? Or would you like her to say, I just wanted to share with you that I'm expecting. And without adding, oh, I wish it for you and I'm diving for you. Would you like as an older single to be told the merits of shown by you? Right. It's so painful. Why can't we, um, I, I just want to say with, the, with what I use as a very good example that people get sometimes, it's hard to get infertility. It's a hard journey to get. Like they look like they're together. They're not going to give you their tears. You know, they're together. You don't know the morning rush to the center. You don't know a lot of stuff and you don't need to know. What you need to know is they're on a difficult journey. So what I always will use as an example is that if you're, in, if you're a child in a family where everybody gets married and gets a house, money for, no, a paid house, money for the month and whatever, and for some reason you're a good girl and your father just didn't give it to you without any explanation, you just weren't given that. And then would you expect the people around you to say, oh, you didn't get a house because you didn't keep um, Nagelbasser? I'm not sure what people say. Or would you want them to say, come to my house, you see my house, or why can't you enjoy my house? If they stop for a minute and they think of the pain, um, like mothers of, couple, of couples who are going through infertility, sometimes they will take the pictures away of the grandchildren. And sometimes they'll think of something else to speak about, not the grandchildren, because these children did not get that house. And nobody knows why. Nobody knows why. There's, there's, there's a reason. We don't know. No one knows reason. So do you want to make this journey more painful or do you want to put get together and help them put a down payment down? Do you want to help them pay their monthly bills? 
Do you want to just take them out to eat, pamper them a little bit? Do you want to do nothing? Don't say anything, but don't keep reminding them of what they don't have. But, but, but you know that the, the flip side of that is I've heard it's painful when people don't tell. Right. So the the is, is expecting, I can't tell her because she doesn't have children yet. They'll know if it's done from the heart. Right. If it's done with, with, if it's done with like, oh, I can't tell her, like you're great. They'll know, like, you know, in second grade, if your teacher's having a hard day, like I always say, you don't even have to say anything. You, you really just have to love them for who they are. Find a medium. You know, that if you understand that it's godly and it's difficult, and you really don't get it. No one gets what, what someone of a, a special child is going through. Nobody gets it unless they're living it. The people that are living it could, like you said, Harvard could really, are really the ones that have, could say something. Those are the ones that have the license to say something. Now, if you care, um, think what you would want. Would you want your friend to call you and say, you can't imagine what my children mean to me. Or would you want her to say, come, let's do lunch. I miss your company. And at lunch, maybe just speak about COVID, speak about anything that relates to both of you. There's so many different conversations that are not about pampers. Right, and I think it's okay to say, I'm not sure what to say, but I want to be there. Oh yeah, definitely. And it's okay to say, I'm so sorry to hurt you. Right, definitely. because if you're afraid to say anything, that's even worse, I think. Right, no, it's, it's you're definitely- you're not there, there's no right, connection. Right, if there's right. no connection, but, but not always, thinking you have to say something. Can I say something so amazing? Because I, I just want to go back to the moms because I'm always awed by their journey. Mm -hmm. Should I tell you something awesome? Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> Do you know that we bench our little girls to be like Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah mm -hmm. and go to their journeys. They were in prison. They were, they all went through infertility and nobody stops and says, oh my gosh, what are we doing? Why don't we venture to be like Sarah next door has nine children. They had very difficult lives and very difficult journeys, and especially with infertility. Are we wishing them that journey? But we're really saying, look who they became despite what they went through. The potential to become somebody. Right. And the greatness. So I think also when you look at someone going through fertility, there may be some greatness because Hashem picked them to go on this very this journey. The journey he gave to Sarif Garachal and Leah. Right, so maybe don't think of them as a neba. No, not at all. Right. No, we think of them as being on a difficult journey. Right. But no, they were chosen. They, it's a difficult journey and they were chosen to go through this journey. And it's also a journey that's so public. So when you see, like somebody here in, the, in our shul, we, we moved to Tom's River, we opened a shul here. So it was right before Pesach and somebody here is related to Rabbi. Zevla from Moshav Matasiaru. His daughter lives in my neighborhood. She's wonderful. So I'm like, oh, I love came for Pesach. I said, wow, such an opportunity to, to have Rabbi Love speak in my shul. So he came, he spoke. He has a large family. She has, his daughter has 11 children. He said he would like, he was a little bit nervous. He spoke for us in Eretz So I knew that he, we were comfortable with him. Then somebody said to him, Rabbi Love, it's Arab Pesach. The whole Yantav is about giving the Masorah to your children, telling your children, leaving a Masorah. I'm married 16 years. I don't have any children. What is Pesach for me? And Rabbi left. I, I felt bad because, you know, I knew this was like probably something that goes through people's minds. And Rabbi left before, before he answered, he apologized. And he said, are you worried about leaving a Masorah to the next generation? Do you realize that when you go through infertility, they know 
and they watch you and when they see you at a Samcha smiling, they, they learn so much. I believe that you will leave a greater Masara than anyone. Right. Did the Sapna Rebbe leave a Masara? Did the Lubavitcher Rebbe leave a Masara? Right. Did the Chazanish leave a Masara? Not that we want you to be the Chazanish, or, but it's not related to children. When we think of great people, Sarishanira, we think of, I know for me, it was Rebbe Zahava Bronstein, it was very close to her. It was never about her being the mommy. Right. So, um, yeah, mommy is, it's a great, great thing. But if you just look at them and say, look, look at this difficult journey and look how they're handling it and look what they're accomplishing. And look that they, they go to work and they smile to their husbands and they go to Simchas and they come and help their mother. When they come to the Seder, sometimes they're the ones that are asked sometimes to help or whatever. And their ovaries might be so tender that they can't even get up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would like people to look at them and say, wow, they're amazing. I think they're amazing. You know, I'm being on this journey. I, I think that uh, my family sometimes says to me, Brownie, will you talk to me more if I go through, if I went through infertility? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> but but you I, know, even, even though in a way it's visible, in a way it's not, you know, if people are looking at someone right, and they know they right. don't have children, they don't know what they're doing. So I, I do believe right, that there right. are things but that they, they know said. They're, right. They knew they have this society, like having a child that's unhealthy with diabetes right. could be hidden, cancer could be hidden. They, in a firm community, in any type of religious community, you think that they want a family. Anyone wants a family. Even, even, even in, in the secular world, um, we, we deal with their other organizations like the American Fertility Association. Um, so they don't have that. Um, they do have like sister-in-law's had a baby, whatever. Um, they're not as much, you know, I want you with just as verbal as them. It's so universal. It's so universal, but they're right, right. not. Mm-hmm. But they're not on that, they don't have, like we have the family, you know, they could really do, um, they could be okay with cat and dog, maybe. Um, but I want I just want to mention that one of the things that, that, that we're very passionate about is adoption. Mm-hmm. So anyone listening here or starting this journey that the medicine has many, many answers. And most people that walk through our doors, Baruch Hashem, my parents now, um, but there always is going to be that the ones that, medicine closed doors for. Baruch Hashem, we've seen many happy adoptive families. I just want to mention that it's always a road to parenting. Right. But what I was getting at before is that from people who are watching from the outside may not realize what the person is doing and may think they're being helpful by saying, have you tried? Okay. So very good. So I agree. And I think that it's, it's, I always mention, (laughs) I would say something. (laughs) You can't do have you tried because you you really can't because it could almost be dangerous. Like I live in Lakewood now, right? So I'm new to Lakewood. So I meet people in the supermarket. They're like, oh, Bronnie, who's the best of the OBGYN here in Lakewood? Now, medical referrals are so specific mm-hmm. and they cannot, you can't just, in, in infertility, you can't just, I always share a very embarrassing story. I'll share it here. Like it's embarrassing. It's my, my famous chicken soup referral. Well, you do referral for, for medicine, for first of all, just um, to know that one out of eight couples is going through infertility. So ensure you count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's probably, you know, it's going to be one going through infertility uh, in a group of eight. Mm-hmm. Um, just know that very often it's male and female. You know, um, I remember my father saying, why does, why does he stay with her? You know, they didn't have any children. They have children. I said, Tati, maybe he can't have any children. Mm-hmm. My father was shocked. He was like, really? 
So I'm telling you that 50%. And we like to tell couples that it's your journey. Hashem put you together and mm -hmm. it's his or hers. For me, it was clearly me. I'm a big piece of OSR. My husband was perfect. And it was a big thing for me to say, I'm not, you <laughs> put me together, I have other good qualities. You know, I do have PCOS, but this is something that's destined for both of us. It wasn't mm -hmm. easy. Um, it's not but, a matter of blame. So We're not talking about blame here. No, there's no matter of blame. Right. But let's say you, you know someone had a baby. Who He might be a great male specialist in infertility. It's like saying, um, kid isn't reading and saying, why don't you use that Korea expert? Now the child may have a vision issue. Mm -hmm. So my chicken soup, and and you're sending them to a comprehension person. I, I don't right. know what I, you know, not the right thing. Not the right thing. So I share my chicken soup referral <laughs> because it drives home a point, and it's with everything. Like you, you can't do the referral without the background. You can't give mustard to someone who comes late to shul unless you know what happened in his house. Right. His wife might've had a miscarriage that morning. She might be bleeding. He might just come from the hospital. He might've just had a fight with her. He might not be able to pay his rent. You can't say, why are you late to shul? Cause you don't know everything. You can't do it in any situation. Like, why aren't you getting more therapy for, for whoever? Unless you, you really know, you really don't have a license to say anything. And if you want to be helpful, uh, you really want to be helpful. Probably, you know, I just have to say, Baruch Hashem, that people do have help in infertility. I had nobody. So people really do turn to us for that referral, they, for the guidance, for the crying. They do have, and it's like having a kosher restaurant in Man Manhattan. And you're, if you're hungry, you, you, you ask, what's kosher here? You know, can I go eat something? You know, whatever. But it has That's to be by your hexer. But it has to be by your right, hexer. exactly. By your and hexer. your diet, maybe you're vegetarian. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And if you're lucky enough, you can you go to a supermarket and find an OU on something that works with your hexer and your and your and your diet. Um, but the people that know that the places to eat in Manhattan are probably a better resource. Oh, there has to be a great place in Manhattan. Oh, why don't you eat exactly what's on your hexer? Why don't you eat in so and so? And it's not halal strong. You do don't right. do halal strong. But um, so my chicken soup referral, just to drive from a point, was so, I was making chicken soup and someone calls me and says, are you Brownie Rosen from the time? Now, I'm very clearly director of member services. I used to be the helpline, everything, everything, everything. It's a very, very big organization now. It's not the little cute at time we stand, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's run beautifully. And I do have the helpline ring at my desk because I miss that sometimes, but there's a lot of 24 people help answering the helpline. I'm sorry, but, just for a second, um, what is the helpline? Just so people can hear. The helpline is a number to call mm -hmm. for anything related to infertility. What now, we run just, to, you mind giving the number just for a second uh, for a little seven, plug? <laughs> anyone listening? It's 718 437 7110. Okay, and it's not yeah. a hotline. It's not an emergency line. No, but we don't, I don't, I don't like the word hotline. <laughs> we, right. use, we use helpline. Right. Um, it's not a hotline, it's not a hot solo. Do we take calls mother night on Chavez? If we have to, but I'll mm. give you a better number because that's the infertility help um, helpline. But if you call the general eight time number, which is 718-686-8912, mm -hmm. you can go to the helpline for infertility. You can go to the helpline for women's health referrals. So it's anything that you might need for women's health, staining, um, anything not really, not so we would talk about health from birth to menopause, adolescents mm -hmm. that have issues, pelvic pain, um different doses. yeah pcos that's for hava infertility and they'll you'll just follow the extensions you can see everything we do from calling the main number a very right. important program and, and website that, website for people who the, yeah atime.org www.atime.org atime.org right. okay 
And another, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have to tell you everything. A very um, a pregnancy loss. So hug, hope, understanding, and guidance is another mm-hmm. acronym. But I happen to love it. Like you know, hug right. is our program for pregnancy loss, and that has an extension on the main eight time phone line. That's seven one eight six eight six eight nine one two. Um, and hug right, so it's is not, it's not just infertility; it's also pregnancy loss. People should be right, aware. Right. It it all came from we our main we started off with infertility. Then we get the phone calls. We're like, I don't know who to call. So could you help me with? Mm-hmm. Um. So some of them cross, like you know, some of them cross over where you have a gynecological issue. Where mm-hmm. medical experts from, um, from a time will help Chava and hug will do a preconception consultation with the help of the medical experts from a time. So HUG is for pregnancy loss and it has its own services. It's amazing. I know you met Chami, Chami Friedman mm-hmm. runs it. Um, so HUG unfortunately is a larger population than a time. Chava is very, very, very big because Chava is, um, Chava is every woman. I'm sorry, Chava Whatever is? They may be. Chava is for women's health. Okay, women's health. And mm-hmm. Chava is birth and menopause. So mm-hmm. we deal with babies born with fertility, like it's reproductive health like reproductive health. I'm running two, we're running two, we started two new groups with like post-hysterectomy and we have a group that's hormonal cancers that mm-hmm. are dealing with fertility issues. Everything ends up being fertility. Right. So they're dealing with fertility issues post-cancer. I mean, they can't get pregnant post-cancer. Right. So, so really everything we do, everything we do. And we also have the Institute of Allah and Technology where we teach Rabbanim about medicine. Those are mm-hmm. our big programs. We have supervision. We do supervision. We do a lot of things. We do a lot, a lot of things. People who are going through infertility usually find us. <laughs> right. really do. Like you're finding the vegetarian um, um, restaurant. Um, it's, it's and you busy. help them find the right restaurant with the right hashkaha. <laughs> That's it. That's it. And we'll, we'll also help them, like, you know, choose a menu. Um, right. You know, and if they navigate having, the journey, uh, navigate the journey, yeah. their individual you journey. Know, that's the mission. The mission is to be there in every which way. Anything that we do, Anything that we do came from a need. We never sat down and said, okay, now let's do whatever. It was let's like- push our agenda. It's not agenda right. We don't push our agenda. We can't. Although your agenda of the chicken soup story has been lost. I'm sorry. We'll oh, get back to your chicken soup story. My chicken soup story. It's such a good story. Do you want something? I want to hear it. Please. But please don't look at me like, oh, Brownie. <laughs> okay. Um, We're so not judging. Chicken, we're making chicken soup, which is nice. So I'm also a mommy and I make chicken soup. And um, I, I get a call. Hi, is this Bronnie or is it from a time? Yeah, it's Bronnie. Now we're trained to do intake and I'm on, again, I'm not on the helpline, but I do help people from my knowledge, from being around, whatever. Um, can I ask you something? I said, yeah, is this time sensitive? No, not really, but just a quick question. Is Dr. So-and-so a good urogynecologist? Now that's innocent enough, right? Mm-hmm. And Dr. So-and-so is an excellent urogynecologist. Yes, I said, Dr. So-and-so, he's excellent. Mm-hmm. Hang up the phone and go back to my chicken soup. Monday, I come into the office and I think it's where my anger says to me, one of our Diana Munn staff, he says, Mrs. Wilson, did you send someone for a complete hysterectomy to some Dr. So-and-so? And I'm like, no, I don't. no, not at all. So this is what happened. She had what was called a prolapse uterus. It was leaning on her bladder. Mm-hmm. She called a time or Hava, which one, and they recommended a great urogynecologist. She was 33 with four children. Mm-hmm. They recommended a great urogynecologist. She went to the urogynecologist. He said, he looked at her, 33 with four children, said complete hysterectomy. So she calls me she, and she booked the complete hysterectomy. Then she got like a little bit nervous. He's a good doctor because people don't, don't know 
much. She calls me. Opinion, right. Right. She calls me. No, I, she calls me. She says, Bronnie, is he a good urogynecologist? And I'm like, he's a great urogynecologist. So she booked a complete hysterectomy with him. There's so many things wrong with the story. First of all, we were able to save her uterus. She was able to have another baby. She's 34. There are so many steps before hysterectomy. Also, if he was, if we're going to do a hysterectomy, which is quite, you know, drastic, mm-hmm. um, we would like a different physician doing a hysterectomy. And yeah, you're right. We may want a second opinion, but it was pretty clear that her uterus was prolapsed. It was pretty clear. That was pretty clear because it was affecting her bladder. You know, mm-hmm. from what we heard, it was pretty clear. But that's a chicken soup referral. So coming over to someone and saying, why don't you use Dr. So-and-so for your, you know, for your gynecology, even though doc- they were right that Dr. So-and-so was great for your gynecology, but you really need someone who, who can really do the proper intake, who can really be there. Right. So what I'm learning from the story is that you may want, say, as a regular, you know, family friend, you know, to help them. And you may say, hey, have you tried X just because you want to help, but you don't know. But that's also true, I think, for physicians. Like you go to your GP or, you know, your general practitioner or even your OBGYN, and they may not have the expertise to know what you need. Exactly. Exactly. And you would want to... Very, very important. Rush ahead to try to help because you want so badly to help and you're giving a chicken soup referral. I love that, Masha. And also I have to just say that, you know what, it was a very, very difficult story to take for me Mm -hmm. because you want to be helpful. It all comes from a good place, from a kind place. Now, just recently I was at a wedding here in Lakewood and someone that I haven't seen from the time for years who was in Eritrea came here, came here before COVID got stuck here. So I met her at the wedding. It was before, like, you know, it was just when things were normal for a bit, whatever. And she was at the wedding sitting with her, talking about, you know, different things in our show, how she is married, I think, nine years without children. Someone comes to the wedding who she remembers from her class. And she's so excited. She sees her. She says, oh, you're here. She says, yeah, I got sick from COVID. So she says, wow, that's so nice across the table. So how many children do you have? Mm. <laughs> it's oh, an innocent no. question right. so she said i don't have any don't ask that question so she answers you sure <gasps> now, the whole what? night says, yeah that's what she it was a, it was a, it was i guess a she just didn't need, oh, it was a, it was a reaction a whole night she's telling me she says maybe i'm not sure maybe i have some kids someone i don't know about like it was it you know now really what what should she have done then she was horrified she should have said i'm so sorry right i'm so sorry so sorry that's all she could have said right because really that's what she was feeling and then she like ran out of the hall now i'm sure she had a very difficult night also Mm -hmm. she she just didn't mean it now there's a few things first of all her friend is very accomplished she's a seminary teacher or whatever um, she does a lot of, she's very accomplished girl, very, very amazing, accomplished and hushkafa, like a rachali menu, like a real rachali menu. Mm. So just like if she said that, and she would know that this girl has so many different things in her life that are amazing. Um, she, and she would have thought, oh, you know, she may not have any children, but would she have that knowledge that she may have so many other things she may have just reacted differently. Oh, I'm so sorry. What are you doing? Like, and, and the truth is even asking, what are you doing? You have to be very careful. You really have to be um, very careful. 
Um, oh, that's, I remember now the Pasuk that I wanted to tell you. Ish el re'ehu yomar chazak. A person to his friend can say chazak. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't, how can you be mahazak someone if you're not on this journey? But what you can do is empathize. Right. You can't really, it's hard to be mahazak unless you're close. Even shovel, when people come, they have no right to say anything by shovel unless they're close. Right. I mean, follow their cues, you know, don't ask questions like, are you pregnant? Like, you know, they see, no. see that's another lesson from, from, from Yosef. So I find him so fascinating. He was called an Ishmael another lesson from Yosef. And it's something that I watch the girls that help other girls while they're living in fertility. Um, I, I look at them like Yosef because Yosef was in prison and he asked the Sarhamashkin, Madua Tatsafayom. I, I, I love it so much. I have it on certain things like kids in the Holocaust that gave their bread away. They put their arms around another kid. They were in the mm-hmm. same Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Now, what I find even more fascinating is the level of um, the level of compassion because do you understand that he says, he was sad or sadder. He might've been like a minutely, a minute difference of sad, but he picked it up. And mm-hmm. that's really where we should be sometimes pick up that your friend is not, you know, I know it's hard, but it takes mindfulness. It takes, that's, that's curing. So it ends up being that when he says, it's, it's, first of all, it's amazing. It's, it's awesome. It's the people in the Holocaust that helped the other people that were in the mm. same dungeon. Right. The prisons in Mitzrayim were not amazing. I always look at the girls that are going through a fertility that man our helpline, that work on our Shabbatones, that put their arms around the next girl, like you safe incredible people they're ishmatzliach they they're matzliach it, it may not be with children right now but they they found a place I, that's what yosef was able to say in this week's parasha he says i'm okay i'm king of mitzrayim and i understand why i'm here because i had to help our family with food he's very 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 clear again i always go back to was yosef the way he was and he was walking around with a name that was a very strong memory of his mother's infertility mm-hmm. and he was so okay he was so he was so okay Mitraim, unbelievable 12 years in this dungeon also interesting that he comes out of prison by the way when he says because of that because he reached out to Zaramashkin, he does come out of his prison so sometimes i think i look at the girls who are out there people out there that are empathetic they themselves feel so much better by reaching out to somebody by caring by empathizing can I do a second on empathy? What empathy is? Go for it. I do want to. <laughs> while you give me a break, I want to stop for just a second and say, you know what? Not everybody's equally empathic, and I don't want people who aren't to be like, oh my gosh, I just, I, I just can't say a word. I think it's okay <laughs> to not master empathy, but to at least not put your foot in your mouth. You know, I mean, at least like, no, at least no. No, what not to say? It, you know what not to say? Just, if, 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 in if, general, if, don't be so specific about things that are exactly. so personal. I, I'm not expecting everyone to be. Uh, you know, we're very weathered. I'm very weathered. I've seen so much. I've heard so much. I've done. I've said some stupid things. You know, we're human. I forgive myself. I move on. Even the Wait, story- and one more thing before you get to the thing is that when I talked about, when we talked about, um, you know, giving referrals, I mean, you don't know what you're talking about. The other thing that people often do is they just want to help. They just want to help. And it's a yeah. style. Some people are more empathic yeah. and some people are more like, let's, let's do something. And they want to just do something. And they say, have you tried this Segula right. or have right. you tried this alternative right. treatment? 
right? And again, if you don't come from the place of, you know, personal experience, maybe don't do that. Also, very good. I agree. I agree with you. Also, you know what it's like? It's you really have to help people the way they want they want to be helped. Mm-hmm. You can't. We never call anyone. Hi, I heard you had a pregnancy loss. I mean, I I broke that. Uh, we work with social workers, psychologists, experience, Hashem, you know, guidance, Torah. Mm-hmm. So my nephew had a stillborn baby. I had a stillborn baby, a very mm-hmm. attached to the hug program. I held a little baby in my arm. I didn't know. From a lot of look at her, not a lot of look at her, from a lot of safety law. I didn't know who was going to bury her. Um, a lot of the services that we do for HUG came from that journey. Uh, it was very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. So I'm one of Hummy's people that go to the births, to the stillbirths. Hummy has people, you know, so I became a doula because Hummy only lets doulas go. But lately, I just want to go to normal, regular births. I don't even have time for it, but I don't want to do the sad births. But I do right. them for Hummy. Um, and I'm there when they hold the baby and because I went through it, I, you know, I really can help them. We can't take away the horrific pain, but we can make it somewhat more comforting and easier. Um, anyway, so my nephew had a stillborn baby and he didn't call me and he knew that I had a stillborn baby and I'm very involved in the hug program and he didn't call me. So I picked up the phone and I said, I, it's another Maishi, everyone's Maishi in my family. Mm-hmm. Maishi, I heard what happened to you. Um, yeah, he says, I thought you would want to get mixed in here. I know what you do and I didn't call you. I remember that being such a reminder that, you know, not what, what it, I felt so bad. I apologized so many times. He didn't want all me involved in it. Now, what way, the way I see it is like a simple way to understand. I see you're overwhelmed. I'm coming over to do your laundry. No, I don't want anyone to do my laundry. Yeah, yeah, I'm coming over to do your laundry. No, no, no. I, I'm fine. I don't like anyone touching my laundry. No, no, no. I'll be there soon. Two o'clock, I'll be there. I'll bring my detergent. I'll put everything into your drawers. Well, thank you. I, 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 I'm fine. I, I, I know it's piled up, but I'll get to it. I, I don't want anyone touching my laundry. Right. This is how people do chassad sometimes. Right. This is, you know, I'm sending you a meal. No, 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 no I don't want a meal. Thank you. I, I'm on a special diet. No, 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 the meal's at your door at 2.30 and more. Oh, wow. She didn't even tell me thank you for the meal. You watch this and you're like. They mean well. Hey. Right. They mean well, but take you. It's the Shiva you. idea again. First yeah. stop. Yeah. Let yeah. them tell yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the first step of empathy. Really, that's the biggest thing with empathy. The easiest thing is to probably, you can never get to that madriga, but you could at least take a minute and think of a little 11 year old who's sitting Shiva for her father mm-hmm. before you say anything to her. Right. Just think for two minutes. Will you always get it right? No. And you forgive yourself. When it's from the heart, you can just walk out and say, I feel so bad I tried. And what can I learn from this? People are good. I really think people are good. Right. And, and I want to say something from the outside, right? Um, from someone who this hasn't been, you know, I haven't gone through this. Um, so to that degree. Um, so I think that when you're outside and you don't know what to say and you don't know what to do and you feel so uncomfortable, there's this like desire to feel better internally. And that's right. where I think this comes right. from. So maybe face for a minute, your discomfort. That's so smart. Yeah. That's so smart. Look at Elkanah and Hannah. Hannah goes to the, uh, she cries her eyes out. First, she tells her husband, um, I can't do this anymore. And you know, the whole journey with Panina. What did Panina say? I followed the journey with Hannah and Navi. What did Panina say? We, we, we read it on, we read it on Rosh, Rosh Hashanah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm fascinated why it was picked for Rosh Hashanah. What did, what did, what did Panina say? Panina said, I'm going to buy shoes for my children. 
You know how terribly she was punished for that? That's what she said. the wound again. Salt in the wounds. That's all she said. She didn't say, oh, you didn't have any children. She said, I'm going to buy shoes for my children. It's terrifying. But interesting, like I used to be on the journey of teaching people. And I, 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 I'm, we're more, we're stronger on making the girls going through it, you know, have tools. Interesting that Hannah, when she, when she tells her husband, you know, about how difficult it is for her with her infertility, he says to her, aren't you more to me than 10 children? You're more to me than 10 children. He loved her a lot. So that means that she felt very alone in the journey. So she goes and cries her eyes out and teaches the world how to daven. Mm-hmm. Her, her prayers were answered. Um, interesting that Alkana comes over to her and says to her, and I learned from this, like different tools from the Torah. Alkana comes over to her and says, what's your problem? Are you sugar? This is nothing. And you know what she answers him? She answers him. She says, no, no, I'm just a woman in pain. I don't have any children. But that was Hannah. She answers it. She says it to him. So Alkana, who's Kohen Gadol, didn't get it right. We're human also need to make the correction here that Elkanah wasn't Kohen Gadol, it was Ellie who was Kohen Gadol. Right. And that's okay. You don't that's have to okay. get it right, but take a step back, right? Right. Take a step back. Exactly. And understand the depth of this, right? And how the entire understand the exactly. life exactly. revolves around this. And the ones that are, are going through infertility, the ones that are listening to going through infertility, look at have you safe, you know, he says, I'm okay. Like he was able to say, I'm okay. I, I ask you also to give the world to have the forgive the world i think that a lot of things comes from kindness you know it comes from ignorance but i want to do a little bit on empathy which is why i hope people share this with their friends and family who are listening to this who want them to understand better maybe this will be a vehicle yeah i think this is a very good vehicle for friends and family and just know that if you need a specific answer like i i sometimes people are horrified like they feel so bad after they after they, you know, like I had a woman who, whose son, the oldest son, who she loved dearly, is a Rebbe here in Lakewood, and they were making a bris in Brooklyn. Um, the bris was on Sunday morning, and she called me, she said, um, no, he called me, he says, the bris is in Brooklyn, it's my youngest sister, I'm married, I think 11 or 12 years, I'm the oldest brother, I teach on Sunday, I don't want to go into the bris, I said, so don't go in. So I says, but don't, but don't say why, well, I just can't make it, you know? Right. He's not embarrassed, I don't know whether to be upset. So his mother ends up calling me because he said, oh, Bronnie Rosen from the time said I don't have to come. So I said, he doesn't. So she says, I know he's using the teaching as an excuse. I said, okay, why don't you let him get away with it? If this is too painful for your child, just, yeah, because now you're going to isolate him from the family. I said, believe me, I'm not. And the one, Hashem, this this thing they have, maybe right now the isolated is safer. Like with COVID, we get it, right? Right. Right. And you know, with COVID, we get the masks, like we with weird different masks, they walk around. I really think that like it was a gift for infertility for understanding, like they walk or anyone going through anyone tsar. for so many tsar, right? Right. You wear a mask, you wear a mask because you want to protect yourself, right? You want to protect yourself. You isolate yourself because you want to protect yourself. Right. You, you don't love being isolated, but it's safer. So I think it's such a good comparison. So she said, so she says she felt so bad. She ended up crying. I said, she says, I told him that's just an excuse they teaching. This is too painful for how you, I said, why did you do that? What would you want? If your child had an open wound, would you want to create more pain? 
Right. I mean, he said so simply, I can't do this. Can't now. Respect, so that. respect that. Respect that. Right. So she says, what can I do now? She ah. And then she says to me, I really love him. I wanted him there. So it really was for her then. She would right. like him to be there. So I said, really, I think you should have given him a choice. And you should have said that to him. I, you know, the business on Sunday, I understand you're teaching, but I'd love to, mommy would love to have you there. And when they're leaving, don't say, oh, are you going? You were here for five minutes. Maybe right now it's too painful. Mm -hmm. If your tooth was hurting and you're in a lot of pain, you may not want to be uh, eating something sweet. You just don't want to. Right. So why can't they get that kind of thing? So she, I said, all you really need to say is, oh, you're not coming to the rest on Sunday. Um, I just want you to know, mommy was looking forward to seeing you, which is true. Right. It's not, it's not Noah. I just really wanted you there. It's an now, open oh, conversation. Or even what would be more painful would be to say, oh, because, you know, I understand it's too painful. Right now, that's more pain. Right. Just, I you're telling to... them how they feel. You say how you feel. It's I statements. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's okay Don't to have talk. your feelings. Right. Exactly. I want, them, I, I would like to see you there. I also right. had someone who, I was driving this woman, her daughter lost twins. Mm. So she wanted to go, um, at the store, two stubborn twins. Uh, the mother was hysterical. Her mother really wanted to come to the daughter. The daughter did not want the mother to come. Chami was there. Um, what we made up is that I would go pick up the mother and bring her to the daughter. Now, I picked her up in New Square. Very nice lady. She loved her daughter. And she was, it was a horrific thing. The girl had gone through four or five years of infertility. And then she got pregnant with twins and lost twins. It's horrible. Mm. Um, so we sat in the car and she, she bought beautiful lunch for her, you know, homemade lunch and everything and a beautiful card. She said, Ronnie, can I read you the card? You know, I just want to know if this is, and I know that the daughter felt that she was so, she really, she couldn't deal with more. Like she, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand what, what it was. I love the mother. So this is the card. I, I, you can't imagine how sad I was when I heard the news. I did not stop crying. Tati and me are so sad. We were so excited to see the Nachas by you. And now it's all gone. Oh God. Everything oh. was about I, her. I, I, I. And she was such a kind mother. She was telling her daughters. Now her daughter at this point was in so much pain. She could not be her mother's therapist. I felt like that when I had the stillborn baby. I had, I remember I shared this so funny because I had a therapist come into the room and I was at a point where then I had, I was going through, I had went going through Rotilli. A time was about, I think 16 years old, 13, 18 years old. I gave my whole life to infertility. The baby did not come easily. And then God took the baby away from me. I was very, very upset. I was upset at a Kaddish Baruch Hu. I was upset at, I, I was upset because my husband did or didn't let me see the baby. I had no support. I was upset because I gave the baby to two nurses to take to the morgue. I was interrupting very properly. There was so much upset. And me, I needed to deal with it with a dark, quiet room and my tears. Right. So in walks a social worker from the hospital. And she's like, so do you have other children at home? And, this baby? and she goes on and on. And I said to her at one point, I said, let me just tell you what I do. Let me tell you what I do. I help couples going through infertility. I, I, I really understand that your kindness is so kind of you to come in here and try to comfort me. Please understand that right now, I just want to close the lights and cry. Mm -hmm. I appreciate if you just like, you know, so this is what she says to me. And, you know, then it was like almost now it's comical. So she says, wow, that's so impressive. Bronnie, on a scale of one to 10, how good was I? 
Oh, now, is she missing something? Wow. But like I said, not everybody has the empathy gene. Is she's a she's a she's in the grievance team and the and she's a no. nice woman. I she's in the grievance team. I said to her seriously, I just lost a baby. You you test. you're very you could not you just your test. Could just leave. We could just leave. I she says like I'm so sorry. She ended up sending me a teddy bear up from the gift shop, and I don't want it. Okay. I don't want the teddy bear. I don't want your teddy bear. I didn't want it. And then I was telling, I was telling the, 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 you know, the grievance team, I said, she was wonderful. She was kind. She wasn't empathetic. Right. She didn't, she didn't read me. So that was not, my- not everybody will, you know, and I think not that's where it's amazing right. to have a support right. group because, you know, again, I'm relating to this more as a parent of a child with special needs and what I've been through in the parallels. Um, I needed support groups because you can't expect people who haven't lived it to get it. 100%. You can't. Uh, we have we, to have some some uh, amount of of yeah. um, support yeah. where you can really get it from and understand that not everybody can be there for you the way you would need them to be. Right. That's really really important. And you also brought up something that I want to I don't want to bypass. You said I was angry at Hashem. So we had this whole talk and we've been talking about Torah and and Chizuk and I, I think it's really important to acknowledge that it's normal. I think that that it's saying there is God. <laughs> yes, it's your relationship, but right now you're mad. I know, and sometimes the girls will tell us, you know, Robinson Aviva Finer, who's such a sadekis, who has mm-hmm. one special child. So she spoke about, I can't even open my scissor. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, before she said a word, before she said a word, um, she ready by giving us this title she already accomplished so much but it's saying there is god i just want to say that there are these special moments to turn to hashem like i think for every woman like i think with my father was very cute my father was after recently from covid so sad uh, you know it was a wonderful i learned a lot of things from my father my father used to say that people say shalois on i have no problem with my role as a woman i love my role as a woman I, if you want i can tell you something amazing from Misha Schiel. Um, and I think that I love Aisha Chayel and I do comparisons with Aisha Chayel with the surrendered wife. I love it. Um, so my father used to say that every man says Shloisani Isha on his own wife because he knows her, you know, what heard about. So I, from that, it prompted me to like take the bracha. Like if you, if you hang up, if you listen to this and you take one tiny thing and apply it to your life, take one tiny thing, that's already a change. Um, my father said <laughs> this thing which Lavijas, I want to find one bracha where I can stop and dab in. So my bracha is Shasani Kurtzono. So my thing is I tell the girls to dab and then I said, you made me according to well. Now you made me want children so badly. You made me want like flowers. You made me love certain things from my husband. Like, so help me achieve it, Hashan. That you designed me in a certain way that's so specific. So this is so much more painful for me. As a woman, you want to be a mommy. So I stop then and I dive in then for my marriage, for my kids, for my grandkids, for myself, for my sanity. It's such a powerful bracha. He designed us like Shasani Kurtzono. He really did it according to, it's a very, we're a very beautiful design, women. We're really the life-giving people. Can I just end with amazing information that I found? I just Go want to share. 
Yeah. And we got to finish up though, because we'll be here all day. Yeah, we'll be done. Yeah, we done. could talk for three hours easy. Uh, it was so wonderful for any women who are listening. So we had at one of our Shabbatons, we had to sing on Asia's Kyle. So I'm, I do marriage in a time, whatever. I work, I'm out doing support group. There's like 20 different types of support groups. So it just because we didn't trust anyone with marriage and I was, I'm training to become a college teacher. So I, you know what? I took the plunge. Now I always apologize because I really believe that it's so hard to teach anyone anything about marriage. And I believe that Isha Kashira Osiris Tombala is so specific. It's like her husband and everyone's husband is so different. My husband's very quiet. My brothers are very loud. Um, there's financial differences. There's a mother-in-law. There isn't a mother-in-law. There's dynamics, community, where his role is. There's so many different things. So everyone always has to take anything and tweak it to their own marriage. But it's like, I always feel as women, we're like on rolling barrels, not forget about fertility, put in fertility, the barrel really rolls. We have to find our balance, right? Right. Um, so I was preparing this thing on the appearances between Isha Hyal and, and this is just because, you know, it's, I know women are listening to this and I love it. Um, and what can make me an Asia's Kyle? And I had gone to one of these fancy dinners for Roca Holland for RCCS. And, and this woman was getting an Asia's Kyle award. And there was a beautiful choir singing Asia's Kyle. And she got up to get her award. And I know that she probably, you know, gave them financial. She deserved the award. So when my husband sings Asia's Kyle, I always think of me and that woman. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, you know, what would make me the Asia's Kyle? So I was saying that the Torah gives us three tools. And it's... Um, Kala Nida and Adlako Saneros. So Kala, I found that all three are transforming. We take bread, we turn it into Kala, you light candles at Shabbos. Um, so these are might be the keys to marriage where it might be bread and the light. And then, you know, Nida, we all know is a very important factor of the marriage. But I wanted proof, I wanted something from Aisha's Chayel that will tell me about the three mitzvahs that the Torah what says for the woman so I found it so I'm just I'm just going to share it and you know it really went off the infertility thing but it's on my journey of infertility that that we found this and and you know it had and it's interesting when I was telling this to the girls I was saying it really was not me just does not mean children because when you get up there and you're going through infertility and I cut you who says you know it's after the period of Arabia anyone who went through infertility did much more than anyone else to have children you know, I, you can all say the shots I took, the things I tried so hard, God, right. you know, you said no. Right. So even as a woman, like he said, Elkana said, I love you so much. It doesn't make a difference. So as a woman, you're great. You're three metros. Don't, don't take children. They really just say you. Right. So, um, and, and the gift is you, but no, so I found a nation's Kyle. <laughs> that is so beautiful. I'm going to end with this because it's such a beautiful note, but I just want to say to people who are listening to this who may still say, well, I just don't know what to do. Just to summarize, be there for them. Try to listen more than you talk. And you can refer to a time um, for people to get more direct referrals and support rather than like try yourself to think you just heard about the best yada yada. Um, expert or Sagula or so-and-so. So I think that that might be a good way to end unless you want to add anything. So I, just want to, I just want to finish off with the thing that, and I agree with you that we're here and um, there's nothing that we wouldn't do. If there's something that we're not doing, we're ready to do it. Um, we thank Joma for featuring us. Thank um, you for being here. And I know the women. I just want to say the line that I've had from Aisha's Kyle was Sheker HaChain Hevel HaYofi. If if a woman doesn't understand the beauty of hey hadlakos neiros ches nun nida, she's not as. Be- it has nothing to do with children. 
you know, Hevela Yofi, her beauty is, it was just so wonderful, I had to share it. But that's not, the, the mission is, you know, as women, you're life-giving. Um, as friends, you can make such a difference. As a community, we have such a wonderful community. As from Torah people, um, we get such great guidance from the Torah. And of course, you know, a time we're here for you. Right, and you're here for everybody. It's not just for, you know, some segments. You no, know, of the Jewish really, world, you're here for everybody. You serve everybody. We really serve everybody. Our Institute of Aloha and Technology is very, very right, but that's an eight-time ruling. So if anyone right. gets a ruling from their dayan, thereof, that's okay. Even at our weekend, we serve so many different types of meats and things because we want to be there for every Jew. And then people kept Chavez for the very first time. So that should never, ever stop you um, from calling us. Right. So thank you so much for doing this with me. We'll have to have more conversations because we're close. Oh, my pleasure. It's so nice to meet you. <laughs> thank I you. I've you. Well. you. I knew you'd yes. be very good to you. Thank you so much. Be well. Thanks for listening to the Joma Preventative Health Podcast. If you've enjoyed this, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and share this with your friends. For more information, check out our Instagram at joma underscore org. Check out our website, www.joma.org, that's J-O-W-M-A dot org, or email us at health at joma.org.